This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're checking in on the issue of government subsidies for school lunches, which is one of the major funding battles in the state budget that was adopted in the spring of 2023. To get our update, we're joined in the studio by Patrick Keneally, who serves as chair of the Public Policy Committee for the New York School Nutrition Association and is a food service director for the Capital Region BOCES. Thanks for joining us in the studio, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So universal school meals, as I mentioned, was a big talking point for Democratic state lawmakers during uh, the legislative session and around the budget process specifically. What sort of investment above and beyond what the state al- already spends uh, were they able to secure I- in the state budget for expanding access to free school lunches? So we were really hoping that uh, the final executive budget would have the full funding for universal meals. You know, we had great support in the Senate and Assembly. It uh, made it in both of their one house budgets, but ultimately uh, didn't end up in the executive budget. But what did end up in the final budget was a $134.6 million subsidy to expand schools access to universal free meals who operated the community eligibility program. So what that is, it's a federal program where if 40% of your students directly certified for benefits, the entire district qualified for free meals. And so basically, if 40% are hitting a certain income threshold, there's a determination that that is a community where everyone's just going to get free lunches. Right. They had to directly certify for like SNAP, Medicaid, certain benefit programs. Mm -hmm. If you filled out a free and reduced lunch application and qualified by income, those weren't included in that 40%. So it had to be like a directly certified number. So what ends up happening is at 40%, you could qualify but you didn't get a full federal reimbursement. There was a formula attached to it, which was 1.6 times your identified student number, which would be that 40%. So that would be what students got reimbursed at the full free meal rate Mm -hmm. and what students would get reimbursed at a lower paid rate. But if your ISP was 62.5% or higher, everything was covered. You were 100% free. So there were situations where school districts had the ability to serve free meals, but financially chose not to because based on that formula, they would offer free meals yet still lose money in their program. So they would choose not to adopt it. So what that $134.6 million did is whatever the federal reimbursement left out, New York State picked up. So every school would get reimbursed at that full free rate. And how has that money been distributed so far as we speak uh, about six months after the state budget was adopted? Is money flowing to school districts? And if so, how are they choosing which districts are getting that additional money considering, as we mentioned, the entire investment wasn't realized? When you file your monthly claims for reimbursement in the child nutrition system, it would show you, for example, Cambridge is a district I support. Mm -hmm. They're newly CEP this year. They just limped over at like 41%. They just got enough poor people, basically? We changed how they their universal pre-K kids ate. Okay. So they became part of our program, and a high number of those universal pre-K kids directly qualified, so it boosted our percentage number. Okay. So they qualified, but we were going to have a little bit of a financial deficit. We had the conversation because of the previous year, we ended up with f- roughly $40,000 in student meal debt that the school had to cover. So we did some numbers, and it looked like we would be short that much by serving free meals. And as we talked, and we'd rather 
transfer money to cover the cost of serving free meals than just paying for debt. But luckily, this state subsidy got put into effect, so we realized we were going to be a whole program. So for an example, in October of 22, my federal reimbursement total was like $18,000, and $400 of that was a state reimbursement. Mm -hmm. This October, my state reimbursement was like $5,600. And the money's coming in. And the money's coming in, and it's been incredibly impactful. You know, it allows to reinvest in the lunch program because our lunch programs are operated outside of the school budget. So when a school district is just covering debt from students, there's not a lot of wiggle room for improving your equipment, improving training. This state subsidy is going to allow for that at the end of the school year. And just to be clear, in terms of the ability of, say, a low-income kid to get a free or reduced-price lunch in Let's say they live in a a wealthy district that's not qualifying for this. Are they still able to get some sort of subsidized meal? And if so, what is the process that they have to go through to get that free lunch? So a district that's left out of the CEP program, what their students would do is they fill out a free and reduced lunch application. There's so many issues with that system. Families don't want to fill it out and give their income information, Mm -hmm. especially if they're lower income. And in New York State, a family of four that makes over $55,000 a year does not qualify for free meals. And that's across the whole state. Whether you're on Long Island, you're in upstate New York, you're a rural area, it's 55000 across the board. Directors who operate these free, they can tell you so many heartbreaking stories of a family makes $55,500 because the father worked a little extra overtime to make ends meet. Now they don't qualify for free meals in school. Or they may make $60,000, $80,000, but they still are deciding, am I putting gas in my car to go to work and buy groceries at home, or am I going to pay my lunch bill? And Cambridge last year, I had a family take out a personal loan to cover their lunch debt. That shouldn't be the case. Well, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about government subsidies for school meals. And our guest is Patrick Keneally, who serves as chair of the Public Policy Committee for the New York School Nutrition Association and is a food service director for the Capital Region BOCES. So in our conversation, we've been talking about school lunches through the lens of the state government, but they're not the only player, as you've mentioned, in the school lunch funding equation. Can you explain the role of the federal government and action they've taken this year that impacts subsidies for lunches? All of our school lunch programs are administered and overseen by the USDA. They control our food and nutrition programs. They made a great advancement this year, and in October, they dropped that community eligibility threshold from 40% to 25% opening the door for a lot more schools to join the program. Basically schools that have less low-income families. Correct. Okay. So at the beginning of this school year, we had 529 schools join CEP for the start of the 2023 school year. Mm -hmm. Since October, and they dropped the threshold, we've had 580 more schools be able to join mid-year. So that brings this year's total around 1,100 schools have been able to qualify for the free meals which makes the state subsidy even more important because they haven't changed that formula. So the schools that are qualifying at 25%, it's still that 25% times 1.6. So most of their students are going to get reimbursed at the lower paid rate. But the state subsidy is picking that up. 
And does that then reinforce the need to have additional state subsidies because the amount that we were talking about in this year's state budget is now going to have to stretch even further because there are more school districts that are eligible for it? Correct. And that's one of the big things in the push for universal meals in our state is that the predominance of our funding is going to come federally. If you're a CEP school, in order to get additional funding, you have to qualify and utilize the program. That way, we're getting as much funding from the federal government as possible and New York State is just picking up the shortfall. What are the impacts of getting these higher reimbursement rates that we've been talking about, as opposed to schools relying on kids to just pay the cost of their meals and the lower reimbursement rates that can accompany some of these meals? What's, what's the difference in terms maybe of the quality of food, for example? Oh, it's night and day. Not just the quality, but the options. If you're operating a free and reduced program, you're relying on students paying for the food. So you can't offer as many options at lunch because if they don't take those, you lose money. Where a school that's offering free meals, you can make your hot entree a little bit more interesting. Say, introduce culturally relevant meals. Mm -hmm. And then you can have your peanut butter and jellies, your burgers, your chicken sandwich, your pizzas as backups. Because you know everyone's going to come in where if they don't like chicken shawarma, they're going to take a peanut butter and jelly. See you later. Where if you're just producing one meal, they don't like shawarma, they're not paying that day. So it really gives you a chance to make a much more exciting menu and have alternates available to capture the kids who may not like that. So it allows the administrative burden of operating a community eligibility program school is also less. So... It gives the director more time to focus on farm-to-school initiatives. You can have more time to meet farmers. You're spending more time on your menuing. It's not just when I would work in Cambridge before we were a CEP, my day of the week there was sending out letters to families saying, you owe this much money, please pay. Where now I'm in the kitchen doing scratch-made meals with the staff. I'm doing food tastings. We're expanding the program. When you don't have that ability, you kind of stay stagnant a little bit. Well, then fast forwarding to the upcoming budget negotiations, what is the dollar amount you're going to be looking for to fully realize universal meals so that kids don't need to submit the paperwork and that these food operations around the state can provide a higher quality and more varied lunch experience? So the range kind of we're looking at would probably be between the 93.7 and $104 million because that takes into account if all school participation stayed stagnant with giving more free meals, mm -hmm. it would be around $87 million. When you do offer free meals, you do see an increased participation. So with a modest increase, it's around that $93 million mark. And with an aggressive increase, it would be around the $104 million mark, including that 134 subsidy. To use Cambridge as an example, again, because they're brand new to this, we've seen such a increased breakfast participation that we've now created two different grab-and-go breakfast carts in the hallways because we can't get the kids through the breakfast line fast enough. So we've gone from feeding 110 kids breakfast to, I think, the other day we did 280 for breakfast. Previously, when the kids would get dropped off on the bus, everyone would stay on the bus until a certain time. But if you qualified for free breakfast under the free and reduced, you got to get off the bus early to come have breakfast. 
So everyone on that bus knew who the poor kids were. Now everyone eats breakfast together. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Patrick Keneally. He is the chair of the Public Policy Committee for the New York School Nutrition Association and is a food service director for the Capital Region BOCES. Patrick, thanks for visiting us in the studio. Thank you very much. Support for the Capital Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.